you all set to go? I'm all set. Cool. This is awesome. So, hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, another edition of Behind the Brand. And today we have with us Jamie Sternberg. So great to have you with us. Uh, this is Dave Shemaleski, and this is Direct Line Media. And uh, we are brought to you by our famous 60-second video, one price flat rate video package. So anyway, I got, always got to throw that in there because, you know, you just do. So yes. thanks for uh, coming out. Of uh, course. During our not so much lockdown anymore. Right. Well, it's good awesome. to get out of the house, even yeah. though we are allowed to go more places these days. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I don't think I've, so I live in Simsbury. I don't think I've driven over the mountain into West Hartford since March. Wow, really? Yes. Holy cow. Well, I'm just the opposite. I think I drove over the mountain, because I'm in West Hartford, I think I drove over the mountain to Avon. I didn't go as far as Simsbury once. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. See? So, not as much traveling, but I, I, I do come to the office. I'm so. not sure people from West Hartford go over the mountain as much as we come over you're to you. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you're probably right. I like it over that way. We head to, um, we head to Collinsville when okay. we get a chance. We like it over there. Nice. Um, yeah. And then there's a little place in Avon. We go to, uh, what's it called? A little restaurant there in that little shopping center. That's really descriptive. What kind of restaurant is it's, it? Uh, it's not the Olive. What kind of food do they serve? So they serve, <laughs> I don't know, regular American, American type food, uh, some nachos, beer. It's in the shopping center, um, right on the base of the mountain. I don't know what road that is. Route Mm. Uh, route 10, maybe? Yes. There's, right? That's Route 10 there on the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. The heck? Anyway. I can't think of I'll it. I'll think of it. Lime it's, Grill? There it is. Lime Grill. I haven't been there in a long time. Really. I saw that they're not opening their outdoor patio till June. I, I looked at that this oh, morning. That's, that's a bummer. Yeah, that's where we yeah. go. Yeah, we go to the outdoor. They got a nice patio. Yes. Yeah, so it's fun. But that's where we go. We go over there in a couple other places. So. Okay. Yeah, other than that, we go south, Newington, mm -hmm. and, and then the center every once in a while. Yes. So. Yeah, so it's good. It's good. <laughs> that's where we go when we come into West Hartford. The center? The yeah. center or, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. It's strange how um, just quiet it is yes. or has been. I haven't been down since the reopen, um, so I'm assuming it's a little more busy. But Yeah, I'm sure some of the restaurants have outdoor seating now, and maybe some of the shops are now open. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, there's been some, you know, social media stuff, you know, back to work, all that kind of stuff, so... Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the, um, what the customers have been like. Like, I don't know what yeah. that's like. Like, I think people are eager to go back to work, but I don't know if, how many people are eager to really jump in. And I think the more shopping. liberal people are willing to go out and go to restaurants yeah. and people, you know, there's, it's just been such a divisive issue on, mm, it has been. You know, going back out into society. We would be willing to take our family out to like an outdoor restaurant to eat yeah. at this point. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think the kids are really anxious because they really have gone nowhere. I yeah. mean, my husband and I will go and get coffee or go to the supermarket and they've been in, out in the yard in our, in our house. Yeah. Yeah, my wife bought me a, uh, a, a bicycle for Father's Day. So it's a used old 10 speed Raleigh bicycle. Really cool. It's like the one I used to have, you yeah. know, that I don't have any longer. So, um, it needs a little bit of work, but it's actually in really good shape. So we kind of, we've been bike riding three times short little. That's nice. I've been using my bike that I bought in Burlington, Vermont 13 years ago. Okay. And it needs a little love. Uh, so I've been waiting for a bike shop to <laughs> yeah. reopen again. So they're not open because I was wondering that. So no bike shops. I actually were open. haven't looked into it. I just assumed that they were closed. Yeah, me too. Me too. So my husband did what he could with it, and yeah. it's been okay. But 
but you know, sometimes the gears will get stuck while I'm riding. Yeah. Yeah. My rear tire needs to be straightened. So I'm going to jump on YouTube and, and, uh, find out how to, I, I used to do that when I was a kid. That's all yeah. I did was a kid. I worked on my bicycle, but I forgot. So <laughs> I'm going to jump on YouTube and there you go. figure out how to do that. I think that's what my husband did when yeah. he was like fixing my bike up. Yeah. My, yeah. my older son learned how to be a mechanic strictly just on YouTube and everyone. And he's just, you know, he's, he's worked in shops and different things like that. So it's incredible. He got his first car. He jumped on YouTube and he's, he's changing out transmissions and, and all sorts of other things. Just, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's what amazing you what you can learn on YouTube. Oh, right. Isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so much content out there. It is. Which which we're going to talk about a little bit today. So okay. uh, you work with Sanders and Silverstein. So it's Saunders Saund and Silverstein. Okay, good. Saunders and Silverstein, thank you. And you are trademark copyright attorneys. Yes. Is that um, fair to say? Let me turn all my beeps off That here. is fair to say. <laughs> cool. And uh, have you, I have you down. I looked you up, and we've talked before, but it, you're sort of like the enforcer. I am uh, the enforcer. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No one's ever called me that. Yeah. I like that. But I was reading your little bio, your little description, and it's, it's like, oh, yeah, she's the enforcer. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you, you know, why you're the enforcer? What do you do? Uh, so I, I, I'm a trademark and copyright and domain name attorney, and I started, I got interested in this when I, in 2000, when the whole Napster issue was happening. And so that's when I started, I, my first sort of first love was like the copyright law. And, um, I went to, so I went to law school in 2002 and I knew that I wanted to go to law school for intellectual property law. Um, and, um, so I went to Franklin Pierce, um, law center, which specialized in intellectual property law and continued to do that. Once I got out of law school, I was at a general practice law firm when I started. And then a couple of years after that, I went to a law firm in Vermont where I focused exclusively on trademarks and copyrights and intellectual property litigation. I also did some patent transactions when I was there as well, but have been focusing on this area of the law for um you know almost 15 years now oh yeah 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 napster i remember um in our other house in the basement because that's where the computer was set up um setting up a whole queue of of music to download yeah. and i'd yes. go to bed because it was dial-up and I, then i'd go to bed and i'd wake up and like half of them would be canceled or yep. something and i'd go oh, and then someone would be garbage you couldn't eat. i'd throw them away anyway because they wouldn't sound good napster right. was yeah it, it, was, it changed everything that was yeah, the thing crazy. yes yeah and then and yeah everything was free and there yep. was no, it was everybody was out there in the wilderness downloading and yeah, yeah that changed everything it was yeah it was insane and you go to different i remember i i you know you could search the different like this guy had a really fast upload or whatever. There's all these specs yes. you could check with all the people who shared, yes, right? I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So I'd go like, oh, that guy's no good. That's going to take too long. So I find the next guy. And then oh, everybody yeah. was putting all of their entire music library yeah. onto Napster. Yeah. Like uploading all their CDs. Uploading everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was pretty nuts. <laughs> and then I think Metallica, yeah, they're the first ones to bring uh, bring a lawsuit against Napster. They did they were they responsible for shutting them down or did, did they start? Oh, the whole I don't. Thing? Oh gosh, I don't remember that. My husband would probably know because he's probably Metallica's biggest fan okay. still. <laughs> awesome. I don't remember that detail. Yeah, I remember it there. There was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, was it Lars? Yeah, was all over it. And uh, but it changed. Napster changed the way we consume music. I yes. Mean, and now uh, I, I miss. But records are coming back. 
A little bit. I mean, for... If you have most, them. Yeah. Are they being sold? New records? Yeah. Um, not like everywhere, but yeah, like, there's a shop across the hall that sells records here. Um, you know, if you go to shows, sometimes they have records. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I went to a show and I bought a, I bought a record. It was ridiculously expensive. But I'm like, I got to have it because it's cool. So, <laughs> um, And also around that time, I was in college and I had an internship at Monster.com. Remember it was that? Yeah. And so that was like, two thousand. it was 2000. And that was really like the dot-com boom, uh, you know, time period. And uh, I was working in the marketing department there. And I was shadowing someone in the marketing department as they were talking to the in-house attorney about how someone was down uh, stealing from monster.com's database. And I realized that I would have rather have been shadowing the attorney as they were dealing with the like legal side of that issue rather than like the marketing side, dealing with the marketing sort of side of that issue. And that's when I was like, I thought I was going to go into marketing and advertising. And that's really, that internship, even though I was in the marketing group, that's what sort of finalized my decision to go to law school. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool what, where things take you, right? It's, it, yes, yeah. exactly. And, you know, my brother and sister had gone to law school, and so I was sort of pushing back on also yeah. going to law school. Yeah. But I but realized that's really where my passion lies. Inevitably, it's in the blood, I guess, right? Yeah, it's gotta... a, it is definitely <laughs> genetic in our family. <laughs> Your folks attorneys? My mom and dad were not attorneys. My mom should have been an attorney. I encouraged her for a long time to try to go to law school, and she never wanted to do it because she always felt it was like too late in her career, but yeah. she would have been a great attorney. Yeah. And my husband's an attorney, wow. and my sister-in-law is also an attorney. Wow. So there's a lot of there's attorneys lot of in attorneys. our family. What does your husband practice? He's in insurance law. He's in-house okay. at Beasley, which is located in Farmington. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So you deal a lot with, um, um, well, copyrights, brands, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So what's your, what's sort of, what make, what takes up most of your day? I mean, is or a week, what's, or month, whatever, whatever time period would be sufficient, um, I am helping clients mainly get their trademarks registered. So I will be helping to file the trademark application, which means um, helping to figure out which, which mark, which, so trademarks consist of brand names, logos, slogans, primarily. They, they can consist of other things. And so if someone, for example, is using a logo and a brand name, do, do we want to register the logo and the brand name? Most likely you want to focus on doing the, at least the brand name and get a standard, what's called a standard character trademark registration that will cover the use of the, that wording in any color or stylization. Um, but sometimes in some cases it's more beneficial to do the logo because maybe the wording is descriptive. And so mm. to at least get a registration on the primary uh, register for the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, sometimes it's more beneficial to the logo. So I help clients sort of figure that out. Um, and then, you know, sometimes before we file the trademark application, you want to do some trademark searching to figure out if your mark is available for use in registration. Uh, so I, I will be doing trademark searches with clients prior to filing. So that also takes up my time as well. Um, trademark searching um, is important because common law trademarks also exist in addition to registered trademarks. 
trademark use develops based on use of a mark in commerce. So once you start using a brand name, logo, or slogan in connection with a good or a service, you start developing rights that you can enforce. But those, what's called common law, those are common law rights because they're not registered. You're just starting to use a mark like direct line media mm -hmm. in connection with your like video production services. And those rights are limited geographically. So they're a little bit more difficult, a little more expensive to prove if you're trying to enforce your mark or litigate. Um, and, and, but a lot of people don't register their marks. So there's these common law marks out there and there's these registered marks out there. And so that's why it's important to do a trademark search prior to deciding, you know, whether you want to use a mark and investing money in promotional materials and building consumer goodwill. Um, so we're, you know, advising clients on what level of searching they need to do. We're reviewing the search results. We're conducting the searches. And then once that's clear, I'm helping people with the trademark application process. What would be a trademark in my company? Would it be my logo? So you, it would be direct line media would be your word mark. And then is that the stylization that you use it in? I probably, you uh, know, you uh, have... Yeah, it's, it's better behind you, but yeah. same thing. Oh, yeah, 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 there it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, you could potentially register that logo as well. Um, the way the stylization of that mark but yeah that would be you know the, your brand name would be your direct line media and then your associated logo okay. and then a video production company that's just sort of a tagline that that's, describes your business yeah so you I really I couldn't you wouldn't register that I that would not that. be registered I could still use it but I just can't because it's too common right I can't just you register can't, that. the US trademark office won't register descriptive marks gotcha and okay. you, and you know you can't enforce a product a video production company mm. because other people need to use it to describe their business gotcha gotcha yeah so when I before I did that I did a bunch of searches just Google searches you probably have fancy tools to do searches but I <laughs> <laughs> I just did a Google search and uh, I couldn't find it I mean there, there was other ones but the word there was there were two words and there's no video production companies that I could find that popped up in Google. So yeah. I don't know how, so I'm sure you use something else besides Google. What do you, do you mean? Well, yes, we do offer something different than Google, but I definitely recommend that people do a Google search as they're thinking of the brand name that they're going to use for their business. And then an attorney can do, we do a preliminary search. That's a search of the U S trademark office online records for, a, you know, applications and registrations, and we'll do a Google search as well. And we can also, if you do your own Google search, we can help you interpret, like if you think something comes up that's going to be potentially a risk, an attorney can sort of help you interpret that result and, yeah. and let you know what, what they think the risks are going to be. Because a lot of times people will see um, other businesses using the same name that they're interested in, and they think that's a conflict, but if they're if these if this business is doing something completely different, or there's ten other businesses with similar names, then the risk is probably pretty low. Yeah, I just didn't want somebody with the same name. It wasn't. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, it had nothing to do with with the way I was thinking. It had nothing to do with really infringing. It was more of just well, you know, he's right. got that name already. Like I don't want I want my own name. So that's what that was right. about. So is it too late now for me to go and register? Would it be a good idea for me to register? this? Yes. I mean, I don't think it's ever too late to get a trademark registration um, because it, it, will, it will make litigation easier for you. 
so in ter- how long have you been using your mark for? Uh, December 2013. 2013. So at this point, I would probably say if no one has ever objected to your use of this, then you could probably skip at least, so I haven't talked to you about that comprehensive search that we also do. You could probably mm-hmm. skip that comprehensive skirt search and maybe we would just do a very quick like search of the trademark office records before we file to make sure there is no one using direct line media that's already like applied for that because then your application is going to be knocked out gotcha. pretty quickly. Um, but um, no, I mean, registration is beneficial at any time. It gives your company the ability to expand the business nationwide, whereas like those common law rights would be geographically limited. So oh, where I you see. have consumer goodwill. So your right, your, your rights may be limited to Connecticut and like New York and Massachusetts, for example. But if you're ex- planning to expand this podcast, for example, like you want to start promoting it all over the country, it's a really good idea to have that trademark registration. Um, it provides priority rights nationwide based from your, well, ba- it would, based on your filing date. And then, of course, you have your rights, your common law rights that would date back to 2013. You know, that's interesting. You said promoting all over the country. Well, because this is on YouTube and Spotify and everything. So it's, I don't necessarily actively promote it. Um, but I do promote it on social media, and that's everywhere. Right. So what differentiate, what differentiates that kind of promotion? Is it, is it specific targeting um, somebody in a different state somewhere else? So, for example, if, you, if someone started using direct line media in Washington State, you would have to rely on your common law rights and you would have to demonstrate that, okay, we are, this, this, it's available all over the country, but that doesn't mean you actually have consumer recognition in Washington state. So that's why it makes it sort of more expensive and more challenging in litigation to argue that issue. Whereas having a trademark registration may potentially make it easier. I mean, you still sort of have to demonstrate, um, you know, that you have sort of entered the Washington state market, for example. Um, but um, it makes your position stronger. Even, even, if it's, even if it's registered? If it's registered, it makes I, your position. I would still have trouble um, if I'm Pot- not actively in Potentially. In really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, but there's still significant advantages to registration. Um, Another one being, for example, you can base your U.S. registration, um, you can base a foreign application on your U.S. registration. So you could, for example, if you were interested, if you had some listeners in Canada, it would make it easier to enforce your rights in Canada. Um, Another, you can start using the R in a circle. Um, It's deters other people from adopting marks similar to yours because you'll be on the U.S. Trademark Office registry and it'll be easy to find you. And that's something I would want to put. Is that something I would legally have to put or something I would just want to put anyway if it was registered? And what's the difference between that and the TM? You don't have to put the R in a circle um, if your mark is registered. But if you do it and your mark isn't registered, that could be considered fraudulent. Okay, gotcha. A TM or SM can be used next to anything, no matter what. Um, so mm. 
or in connection with a common law mark before a mark is registered. So I could put a TM next to my direct line media and that would be fine. Yes. And that, what, would, what, what would be the benefits of that? Why would I want to do that? And a TM, technically, I mean, most people just use a TM, but technically TM means trademark and SM means service mark. Mm -hmm. And the reason that people do that is, and people will do it in connection with, for example, arguably descriptive marks, because they want to show that even though this mark seems descriptive, um, we're using it, we want to start to build those trademark rights in it, and we're using it as a mark. So it sort of puts people on notice that you're sort of adopting this as a mark, and it could potentially deter them from maybe okay. using a, you know, a descriptive term, or it, you haven't registered a trademark, and you don't, maybe you don't plan to, or you're in the registration process, and you sort of want to put people on notice and deter them from adopting a similar brand name, slogan, or logo for their business. Have you come across folks that uh, trademark with the TM a logo or a name or something like that that's the same name of or similar enough to something that's been registered? Yes. Yeah, all the time. So what happens there? What kind of what do you that's where the enforcement part yes. comes in. So what's So what's that either well so I've obviously been on both sides of that. Okay. Um so clients with either common law rights and a mark or registered rights will see someone using a similar trademark for similar goods or services and we'll send them a demand letter. Or they'll see that someone's filed an application that's similar to their common law or registered mark. And if it's a, if it's a registered or um, they've applied to register it, sometimes the trademark office won't cite that prior trademark application or registration against like a newly filed application because the trademark office won't register a mark that's too similar to a previously applied for a registered mm -hmm. mark with like a later filing date. I'm sorry, an earlier filing date. So we'd have to potentially oppose that application. There's a 30-day publication period before every trademark is registered. Um, every trademark that's being filed on the principal register. Um, and during that 30-day period, you can either extend the time to oppose that application as a third party with prior rights, um, or you can oppose that application. And that goes through an administrative process, the US Patent and Trademark Office. So there's those opposition actions, and then there's the infringement actions that you okay. can file in court. And those are two separate things that we, those are two separate sort of enforcement <clears throat> type matters that we handle. That's my next question. So do you go to court a lot? Is this something that you end up going to court for or not so much? Is it try not to? Trademark cases tend to settle before things will definitely get filed. You know, the complaint will be filed. Maybe there'll be some pleading, initial pleadings back and forth and some discovery. But a lot of times before trial, trademark cases will end up settling because either someone will just decide to give up a mark and rebrand or the parties will come up with what's called a coexistence agreement where both parties still continue using the marks they're using and they decide to say, okay, well, you're going to stick to California and, you know, Washington State and we'll stick to Connecticut, New York. And so there won't be any consumer confusion between our two marks. Or I'll always use my wording with a logo. 
so the parties will come up with ways to sort of distinguish their marks so that consumers won't be confused and think that the source of one services is, is the other company. Do you mostly come across people with like this, the same name, I guess, or the same logo? I mean, is it, how common is it that somebody has like a very similar logo? That is more on the rare side. That's what I thought, yeah. Yes. So it's more it's more of like a company name or a slogan or that kind of thing. Usually if someone has a similar logo, they're trying, they're specifically trying mm. to um, tack on to the goodwill of the, or tag on to the goodwill of the prior company. Right. But it's it's always possible. You know, um, just, just, so you know some of these car, like uh, I don't want to call anybody out, but there's some car, some car dealers that um, you see them driving down the road and uh, you think that it's a different car manufacturer when in mm -hmm. fact it's not. So for instance, car manufacturer A will, will produce this car. It's been on the road for a number of years. And then all of a sudden you start seeing this other car that's very, very similar, hmm. but it's a different car. So, um, hmm. is, is, so my question would be is, is design like something that's designed? Is there sort of trademarks and copyrights with different designs in that? It's like objects, like you, cars. So or you're things. talking about the design of the car, the actual, like the, the aesthetic of the car, the aesthetic, the design, the, the exterior appearance of the vehicle. Yeah. Yes. It's driving down the road. Yeah. yeah so. You can get, um, a design, a design patent for an aesthetic the way that a product looks as mm -hmm. long as it's not functional. So I, th I would think that mm -hmm. would fall under a design patent. Okay. And then potentially if the outside of a car is distinctive enough, you can also get a trademark registration for it. If you can show um, that it's what's called acquired distinctiveness, that consumers recognize that particular shape of a car sure. as originating with a particular manufacturer. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of cars are the same shape just because of aerodynamics, right? I think that's just because yes. so, everything looks the same now. Yeah. But it goes beyond that. Then it's like a very similar grill or the headlights are the same. or So right. that's what you would be focusing on. Not so much the, the shape, but more of the right. d design aspect. Yeah. Of it, and it would only be the design aspects that are not functional. So you would have to demonstrate that there is no functionality at all to the design elements you're trying to claim. Gotcha. Either for design patent or trademark. Gotcha. That's awesome. So, um, a lot of, a lot of research is what you do. Just, yes. We yeah. do research for yep, prior marks, um, helping clients through the application process. Uh, so, at, so yeah, so, so I sort of started talking about that. So we help people decide, you know, what, what they need to file for, whether there's going to be a conflict with a prior common law mark or registered mark. And then we craft the identification of goods and services for the application. There are 45 classes of goods and services for every kind of good or service that you could wow. offer. So it has to fit into one of these 45 classes. We help clients determine what class they need to be in and then prepare the list of goods and services to fall within the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office identification manual. So the wording is very particular. And we want to make sure all the goods and services that they're offering in connection with a trademark are covered in the application and that they're worded broad enough. And the U.S. Trademark Office is very strict about sort of broad wording. Like you can't file for, for example, just software. You have to say gotcha. what kind of software it is and the function of the software. So downloadable or non-downloadable and to be used in connection with 
uploading videos, okay. for example. Um, so we, we help people with that. And if we know that there's a potentially conflicting mark, it's helpful to have an attorney preparing these goods and services so that we can potentially um, write them to avoid the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office citing that, that mark that we think could, could be a conflict. So you, work, so you work with somebody, they say, I want to trademark this, and you look and there's a conflict. So you would help them sort of reword it, redesign it, whatever they need to do to make sure that it's, um, you know, stands on its own, I yes. guess. Would be. Yes. So you have to have a, you know, so, well, that work actually works well because you have a marketing background. I, right? Yeah, I've gotten so, a mar- to have a marketing yeah. background because of probably, this. Probably helps, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then... The mark needs to be, if it's a, if there's any sort of design elements, it needs to be described in the application. And there's other sort of nuances of the application where it's helpful to have an attorney um, preparing it. Like, you don't always need to provide a translation of the mark if it's not a foreign wording. Um, you don't always, you may want to describe it in a certain way that's, you know, broader than what you think you would need to describe it if you're filing it on your own. Um, based on 15 years of doing this, I know all the nuances. I've worked with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for years, so I just know kind of what you need to do to, to get the application from, from filing to registration as smoothly as possible. So it's probably worth hiring somebody like you if you want to do that just because why well, learn? Because I would have no idea where to right. start. And, and when, when consumers, oh, I'm sorry, when um, business owners do it on their own, Typically, there's going to be a problem anyway, so you're going to have to end up hiring an attorney, mm. and you could end and you could end up spending more money than you would have in the beginning. That's usually how it goes, yeah. Um, but certainly, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office makes it easy for business owners to do it, and they do provide a um, FAQ section, list, you know, where there's questions, sure. and so they do try to make it consumer friendly. If you know, you're filing a pretty straightforward application. Um, It is possible to do it yourself. And then if down the line, so at three months after, about three months after filing, an examining attorney at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office will review the application. They'll review the goods and services, the description of the mark. They'll review if there's any um, applied for or registered marks with earlier filing dates that could be a conflict. Um, so, and then they'll issue an office action if any of those things become an issue. So an attorney could help argue around any um, uh, issue that's raised with a prior mark. So that's called a likelihood of confusion refusal because um, the policy of trademarks is basically that you want to prevent consumers from being confused. Consumers need to know that they're buying, what they're buying is from the company that they think it is from and not from another company. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. What would be um, some good things for people to do if they're starting a business and they want to come up with a slogan, a a name, a logo? What, uh, you know, what are some distinctive things they can do to their name to prevent um, somebody else from copying them or them maybe copying somebody else? What are some things they can think about? Sure. There is, they first thing that a business owner wants to think about is not adopting a mark that's considered descriptive. They're going to have a difficult time registering that mark and they're going to have a difficult time enforcing a mark like that 
because other people, like you use the tagline, a video production company. Other people need to use that to describe their businesses. So they're not going to be able to prevent anyone from using that tagline. Um, if someone adopts a mark like um, bathroom and kitchen center <laughs> for their company, that's not going to be distinctive enough to enforce. So there could be a company with that name in every state in the country. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, companies want to think about adopting what's called at least a suggestive mark that at, can describe some aspect of their business while not directly describing it. Okay. Like direct line media, I mean, could potentially be considered a suggestive mark. Um, I think it's because you're providing, I don't know, direct, you're being, you want to, you want to convey that you're being direct. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm not sure how line would describe your business, but so, um, so it came up with, uh, the tagline, which I still use it's on my website, I think is, uh, where your direct line to success. Okay. So yeah, nice. so it's a direct line. So, I mean, okay. we, we were sitting with, we, it took us, it took me a long time to come up with that, um, that name, but, uh, it kind of just stuck and I, yeah. and I like it. So, but I do have the famous 60 second video. So what about marketing yes. video made simple? Would that be? Let's talk about the famous 60 second video. Okay. How long have you been using that? Uh, if I had to guess, I'd have to go back and look. So, um, probably a couple, probably a little over two years, two years. Yeah. Okay. I mean, right now that's on the line of being descriptive. I mean, it's law. It's um, and maybe people wouldn't consider that a trademark. It's sort of laud laudatory, um, but it could potentially become a trademark. Okay. If you continue to use it, it could potentially be registrable on what's called the principal register with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. If you have five years or more use of that. Okay. And potentially you'd have to provide other evidence that consumers recognize it as associated with you and no other company. So for got, example, survey I, evidence, okay. media evidence, um, sales and advertising figures, or it could potentially be registrable on what's called the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office Supplemental Register. And that's where marks that are arguably descriptive can be registered and potentially be registered later on on the principal register. I like to say that marks on the supplemental register go there to sort of grow up where they go and you can get it, you can get it registered. You can use the R in a circle and then you can, by having this registration, it is a deterrent to other people potentially okay. from adopting your mark. Um, so it's potentially registrable on the supplemental register, but you, you probably need to build some more consumer recognition in it. What about, uh, um, that was famous 60 second video, right? Yes. What about marketing video made simple? What That's about that one? probably registrable as a slogan. Okay. I haven't seen anybody else using that. See that one I think would be that I think somebody would pick that up. It's probably being used somewhere else. If I had to guess, I would think somebody else is using something similar. What Probably. if it's, what if, what if it, it may not, that may not be so easy to enforce. Yeah. What, what if it's the same words, but just in a different order? That, so the standard for trademark infringement is likelihood of consumer confusion. Okay. So the marks just have to be similar 
and use in connection with similar goods or services. And so if it's just, if the wording is used in a different um, order, consumers could still potentially be confused okay. between the two marks because they're usually they won't have the two marks side by side. And so if they see someone else's mark that's similar to yours with a different order of words, they could think that that mark is your just... mark and that could be the potential grounds to send that company a demand letter. Is there, is there any, like that happens? So I'm sure you have cases where somebody says, well, I've lost, it, well, is that what the lawsuits are based on? Like I've lost X amount of dollars because this guy is, you know, infringing on my trademark and people think that he's me and customers go there instead of calling me up. And so he's taking all this business. So lawsuits are, um, hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, generally, the first thing that people do with trademark infringement actions, if there's, it's a really serious case of infringement that really needs to be stopped immediately, they'll file for an injunction, and it's more about getting that company to stop doing what they're doing and then kind of focusing on, you know, winning. You could potentially focus on winning the whole infringement action or coming to some sort of settle monetary settlement before you even get to trial where um, there could potentially be damages. And the Supreme Court actually just issued a case a few weeks ago <laughs> that made it easier for plaintiffs to get damages in a trademark infringement action. It's been historically very difficult Oh, really? to get those damages unless the plaintiff can prove willful infringement. So you're not going after damages. You're just going after, for the most part, just stop using. With that's generally, or, yeah, yeah. When And getting attorney's fees can be difficult as well. So generally, if someone's going to initiate an infringement action in court, which can be very expensive to litigate, they're doing it to get the other party to stop. They're yeah. not real. Usually the goal isn't to get the infringement infringer's profits that would be great if you obviously a great advantage but that's generally not the goal okay yeah that makes sense you just want them to stop using the yep the trademark or what have you you, you just want to stop yeah you, yeah because you know that they're make obviously they're making profits off of if sure. they're if they are you know specifically trying to piggyback off the goodwill then you know that you know, there's probably profits out there that are related to that infringing use. If it's someone who just, say you adopt the direct line media and you didn't know about the other party. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's an argument that you could, the other party could get damages, um, but it's a little bit more difficult to prove. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, um, that would be hard to rebrand that significantly, like your whole name. Yes. I wouldn't want to be in that position. That's why I tell people, you know, if you've been using a mark, you've been using yours since 2013, you're probably okay. You don't need to do a search. But if someone's really early into their business or they haven't, or they're just trying to decide what their brand name is, it's, um, I think it's really crucial to do that search before you invest in promotional materials and building that consumer recognition. Because, for example, Lime Grill had they, to rebrand. They did. I remember that. Yeah. That's funny. I brought that up. I, I forgot yeah. about that. They did have to rebrand, but the rebranding wasn't, it was, it was slight. I think they had to change a, a letter or, I mean, it was really small, wasn't it? Yes. I just looked into this. <laughs> um, 
because someone else was asking about it, they got a demand letter from a company who had a trademark registration, but the company only had franchises in like the southeast part of the country, like nowhere in the northeast. Mm-hmm. And without demonstrating that they have a restaurant in the same sort of geographic area as Lime Grill, um, even with the registration, it's a, I'm not sure they would have been successful in an infringement action, but having the registration and sending the demand letter was enough probably for them to work out a settlement with okay. our Lime Grill okay. so that they made an adjustment to their name. And it really wasn't much. They just changed the spelling from, I think, like L-I-M to L-Y-M. I think that's what it was, yeah. But still, they had... So they didn't have to do a lot of yeah. sort of reintroducing consumers to what their brand is um, because L-Y-M and L-I-M are still confusingly similar. It's yeah. basically still the same. It's basically the same thing and because it's those things like, oh, I... Th- Oh, I thought it was always spelled L-I. Oh, I guess I was wrong, right? If they don't yeah. even have to know what happened, they could just think they're misspelling it. But, but that I... might have been enough because the menus were also very different okay. with the two establishments. It just might have been enough for this other company. And I think they, I think that our Lime Grill also may have made adjustments to their logo. So that may have been part of the settlement agreement that they worked out. Yeah. It just may have been enough to let have the other um, restaurant back I, off. You know, thinking because we were there in both times before and after. Oh, change. really? Yeah. And I think it actually benefited them because I think they took the Y and they made it like a martini glass, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think they actually talked it up on social media, say, hey, this is what's going on. And so, you know, I, I think they actually used that to their advantage. Yeah. I actually went back to their original post from however many years ago on their Facebook page to kind of look at, you know, what what they were posting about at that time. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it's because it's uh, it's an interesting place. But and yeah, but there. so I also wonder whether they did a trademark search bef- prior to adopting their mark, and whether uh-huh. if they did, whether seeing this other restaurant uh, franchise would have deterred them from adopting that mark in the first place. So that's why it's important to to do the trademark search while you're thinking of a new name for a product or a service that you offer or a new name for a business or you're thinking about um, rebranding your logo. It's amazing uh, during my search how many um, names I thought of. Like, nobody's going to have that one. And And they did. Oh, my God. There's so, so many. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) always thinks they're so clever. (laughs) Yeah. No, there's there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who would, like, nobody's going to name their restaurant. Lime bar or whatever it is. Sure enough. Yeah, it's just funny. And in terms of microbrewing, there's so many microbrews popping up all over the country that um, they've been having, these breweries have been having a hard time coming up with names mm-hmm. for the breweries and for their beers because they're competing with all the other beers or competing with the names of wine. And sometimes the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office will consider... Um, like wine and beer, similar to the name of liquor, or then similar, there could be a potential conflict if your beer is the same name as a restaurant. Um, so there's a lot really? to think about. So what if, um, like there's New Park Brewing here. What if they created a, a beer that was called, um, I don't know, I can't think of the name, um, you know, S- Sunny Lager. I don't know, just made that up. Might be good. 
Um, and then there's a, there's, a, there's a wine company that has uh, a wine called Sunny, you know, Chardonnay or something like that. Would that be, I think, would that be a possible infringement even though they're two different products? Yes. Really? Because the same consumer could be buying wine and beer and think that they're connected. I mean, if they're sitting, one sitting across from the other at a liquor store, you could potentially think that this beer company has expanded to wine. But the wine company has a different name. Oh, what's... So I the, they so, were both sunny. So, so, no. So, New Park Brewing has a... See, wine really doesn't do it, right? So, wine just has, like, Woodbridge Chardonnay, right? Like, that's, it's, the, it's the winery and it's the name. But what beer companies do is different. They have, especially the microbrews, they'll have, like, New Park Brewing, and then they'll have a name for each of their different beers. It'll be, like, Sunny Lager. It'll be, like, you know, True and true and trusted ale or whatever, you know, they come up with these, all these quirky names. So I don't know if, if wine companies started doing that. Like, so if Woodbridge came up with Woodbridge's new Suddy Chardonnay, you know, like. I mean, I think if there was a Woodbridge wine and a Woodbridge beer, that would be a conflict. That would be a conflict. Yeah, that makes sense. Or if they're using a similar packaging, coloring and a similar design on their packaging, even if there's maybe a different name, that could be a conflict if they had, that would be called what's called tra- similar trade dress. You can't trademark. You can't go after somebody because they're using the same colors. So I use like <laughs> right stupid question, but I use it's like not a, a stupid question. So I use like a like a not directly. I mean, it's black and white really. But but the other part of my business, the sixty second video that uses I don't know what do I use like a yellow and like a green something like that. So the, if there's another production company that started doing a similar product with those colors. Again, you would have to show acquired distinctiveness in those colors. Though, I'm laughing because there is a case that just came out at the beginning of the month about this um, that's saying that colors could be potentially deemed inherently distinctive Hmm. um, without having to show that consumers recognize a a color as associated... um, with a business, and that case was specifically referring to the use of color on product packaging, and it was a multicolored mark. So it was there was it was almost as if it was a logo because there was there was multiple colors in it. But for a very long time, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office would not register a mark that's a color, okay. like the col- the pink color of insulation, mm-hmm. is an example is a registered trademark and that would not have been register registrable without showing and it has to be a big showing with a lot of evidence that consumers recognize pink as associated with one particular producer of insulation really um so color was never what's called inherently distinctive and that means not having to make the showing of like um, advertising, expenditures, sales, media, survey, showing that consumers recognize color as specifically associated with a certain business. Um, so the USPTO would say color is never inherently distinctive for a product, for the color of a product or the packaging used in association with a product. Um, so that sort of changed with this decision at the beginning of the month where it's now possible for a color mark to be inherently distinctive, at least for product packaging. And product packaging has been 
um, deemed analogous to using a color in connection with a service, okay. uh, which can be inherently distinctive. So, but I think still think it would be very challenging for you, you know, to demonstrate, you would still sort of have to demonstrate that you have this consumer recognition in, in your color, yeah, in your service. Yeah, the, yeah, I just pick, I like the colors, so I picked them. Well, and, and in yeah, terms of the obviously. colors that have been registrable in connection with businesses, it's more about the trade dress. So like mm. the way that a restaurant looks, mm. um, okay. like a, there is a ta- this case called Taco Cabana, and it's about a Mexican restaurant, um, or the way that um, an Apple store looks. So yeah. it's all oh, the all the elements are put into that application, and those the when you put in all those elements together, those can be deemed what's called an inherently distinctive mark. So if there's another computer store, let, let's say like a, like an IT a local IT guy who maybe sells computers and does some IT work, and he has a, an office space and he outfits it the same look as the inside of an Apple store. I believe, I believe Apple has a registration for the way that their Apple store looks. So they could send a demand letter on that. Wow. I saw, I was scrolling through, um, I don't know, one of the Facebook or something. And uh, so I put out these social media things where I have, there's like a, been a bar of green on top and, and green on the bottom. And then in the middle, cause it's square, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was Instagram. So it was square. And then in the middle was a regular video frame with, you know, it was, it was a, it was a marketing thing with stuff. So I'm scrolling through, and um, I saw an ad for, um, I don't know if it was an insurance company or something like that, exact same layout. I was like, oh, hmm. that's interesting. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> same yeah. color, too. That was the thing. It was the same color. Yeah, and so, I mean, there are arguments that that could just be deemed sort of your logo. Mm. Um but then, you know, you're going to have to demonstrate, well, you're a video production company and they're, um, uh, sorry, what did you say it was? I think it was an insurance company. An insurance I don't, I don't company. Really yeah. So there probably wouldn't be any likelihood of consumer confusion sure. between yeah. the two businesses. I mean, um, it's, a, it, it's, it's sort of a, it's not like a unique design either. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more of a fix than a design thing because I was trying to fit a rectangle into a square and Right. I had to make it a square, and that's how I did it. So. And sometimes <laughs> you'll see this come up because companies are using logos that they find on the internet, and so one company will have the same logo as another company, which generally isn't an issue if you're not in the same kind of business. Um, but an issue recently came up where two companies had the same logo that um, could arguably have come from... Um, you know, what's publicly available for the same kind of business in the same geographic area. Well, if one company has developed consumer goodwill in that logo, then it's, you know, it's arguably becomes enforceable, even though they got it from a public, you know, they got it from what's the public domain. So that brings up this. So let's say you're doing a presentation and you need pictures and things of that nature. And it's a private presentation. It's not public. You're not going to put it on the internet or anything like that. So you go to Google and you, or wherever, any kind of picture site, and you sort of screenshot the images that you like and you use those in your presentation. Is that a problem? Probably. Really? Okay. Because those, those images are copyrighted. Right. The copyright develops by the author of the image, so the photographer or the artist, 
once they create that image. You have enforceable rights. Those rights are not enforceable in court until you get a copyright registration for them. But you have rights that could be the basis for a demand letter. So how does a copyright work? So I produce a video or, or a photographer creates an image. Let's talk, um, let's talk business, corporate, not like, um, like, like for a wedding or something like that, right? So it's for another business or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, so I produce a video or uh, somebody takes a picture. Is that, and, and, and I own, how am I trying to say? So, so who owns the copyright? So for instance, when I produce a video, mm-hmm. um, I go out and I shoot. It's in the contract that all the raw footage belongs to Direct Line Media. Mm-hmm. And then the company owns, or my client owns the produced, edited, final video product, but I can use it for my marketing purposes, right? So, um, so is that, is that like just inherently there's a, it's copyrighted already? Is there like steps that have to be gone through to make it officially a copyrighted work? Or do I just put the C on it? You can always put the C on it, C in a circle on things that you own the copyright for. That's like using a TM or an SM in connection with a common law mark. Okay. It doesn't need to be registered. Okay. Um, so you're, if you have in your contract that your client that you're producing the video for owns the copyright to the final work, then they will own that copyright as a work, what's called a work made for hire. Right. And th- they will own the copyright in it. They can enforce that copyright up to a point. They can't, they can send a demand letter to someone who may be infringing the video but they really couldn't take it past that. I mean, maybe they could ask for money. They could ask for money for infringement, but they couldn't, if they needed to go to court, they wouldn't be able to bring an infringement action in court until they have the copyright registration. How, how is that different than, than music? So somebody produces some music and they put it out there and they sell it. It's copyrighted, right? It's, it's, they have copyright they have rights copyright it. on it. And then somebody else uses it. They can send a demand letter and they can ask that person to stop. They can try to get damages or um, royalties for that other person using, say they use the music um, for, in, for a presentation or they use it during like a conference. So they're publicly sort of what's called, um, you know, displaying the work mm-hmm. of art. Uh, you can send, you know, you can send a demand letter. But if you get to the point where you need to go to court, you can't, you need to go to the, cop, the U.S. Copyright Office and get the registration before you can allege a claim for copyright infringement in court. And that was, there was what's called a, you know, a circuit, federal circuit court split mm-hmm. on that issue um, where there's different um, areas for, um, federal appeals courts in the U.S. And some said you needed that registration to litigate in court. And some said you just needed the copyright application to be on file. And last year, the Supreme Court decided you need that registration. So that's what you need to do now. Okay. And um, you can get an expedited one. And I just did that process, and I got it within 10 days. Wow. And it cost $800 okay. to do an expedited application. So the... The better thing to do is file to get that copyright registration as soon as you can so that if an infringement 
issue comes up, you already have the registration and you can go to court if you need to. Like, I don't know who else would use, because the video is obviously, um, in a lot of photographs, they're specific to a person or a company. So I don't know who else could use them anyway. But music, I guess, is different. But what if I, what if I produced uh, um, a documentary about, um, I don't know, anything? It wasn't specific. It was about a topic. It was about, you know, bluefish in the Long Island Sound. I don't know if I do that. It might be a good That's topic. copyrightable because you're creating a work, a video, a documentary about a certain subject matter. What, if, some, what if somebody shares it? Not They don't want to make money from it. What if somebody sh um, takes it and downloads it and then uploads it on their YouTube channel? That could be considered an infringement. And they yes. just want to say, hey, check this out. This is the only way I know how to share it. they're copying your work. Yeah. But they could just share it on... They could share a link, obviously, on social. That doesn't matter. They can share the link to your work. Right, but they that's can't. That's fine. But, they but can't. the actual po yeah. reposting it onto their website, that's grounds for an infringement action. Yeah. I mean, and then there's arguments that they could potentially be protected from liability under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, but, yeah. How long does, because um, now this whole thing with, public space or whatever it's called, right? So how long does something have to be on the internet for it to be de deemed public, whatever? Like, like happy birthday now, right? Isn't, uh, is that's in the, yeah, that's in the public domain now. So, I mean, okay, so the term you're asking, so yeah. if you have a registered copyright, the term is like, for example, it differs for different things, but for example, you could have something for the life, your life plus like 70 years, the life of the author plus 70 years, I believe, is oh, one wow. of the time periods. And I believe if cool. a, it's a work made for hire, it's 95 years from the date of registration. Wow. So it goes for a very long time before it's in the public domain. Because wasn't there something weird that you couldn't sing Happy Birthday because somebody thought it was... Oh, wait, you're right. Maybe Happy Birthday isn't in the public domain. Because all these years, right, everybody sings it. But then this was this... Yeah. I, I heard about that, I don't know, it was maybe 10 years. It was... I wasn't... Direct Line Media didn't exist yet, so it was. it was... Yeah. It was, it was at least six or you know eight whatever years ago i so. can't remember what how that came out right you remember that though i do remember that being an issue yeah so what does that mean let's say it's not in the public domain let's just okay. say how does that affect birthday parties <laughs> i think it's the same i think it's the same thing as someone doing karaoke in a bar and the bar doesn't have a license to publicly perform that that musical recording. Oh, that's really interesting. So then the, whoever owns the rights to that musical recording that's being played in the bar can come and ask that bar to stop and seek royalties. But you can buy like karaoke CDs. Yes, because I think when they do that, like you're talking about individually or a company. So yeah, so you buy like, let's say, like a person, you go to the, you go to the toy store or wherever you get the, the karaoke machine and it comes with a bunch of CDs. I think the, the manufacturer of the karaoke machines has a license to sell the machine with these musical recordings. So they have sort of taken care of that process. For use in somebody's private home, you couldn't buy it and then go it, to a bar and have karaoke night. Exactly. Okay. Yes, you wouldn't be able, then the bar, could, then that could be a potential issue. So all these bars with karaoke, they have to register, how do they do they that? They seek 
license rights. I mean, they're supposed to be seeking license supposed rights to, to, to publicly perform the music in their bar. Do you think every bar does that? I No. Do you think, what's the, what's the percentage you think that don't? I'm just curious. I have no idea. Really? <laughs> Because there's a lot of karaoke out there, and I, I just I didn't I didn't think of that. That yeah, because a radio right to play the song has to to have whatever deal they have. Yes. Right. So karaoke is kind of the same thing. That's yes. interesting. I never thought of that. Or any music that's played in a bar, really. I th- I b- would believe they would need to seek some sort of blanket license about for a, a package of music that they play in a bar. Like I mean, a, if they're playing the radio in a bar, if you just have the radio on, I think that's probably okay. I don't know. I really haven't looked into this issue in a lot of detail, but um, if you have the machine, if you have a jukebox yeah, or a karaoke machine. Like a jukebox. Like I love yeah. playing the jukebox, right? <laughs> I believe you, that a bar would need, because they're not using it for personal use. They're, they're actually making money on it or somebody's making money on the jukebox <laughs> from that music, right? I mean, they're using the music and I mean, they're public, they're publicly performing the music and use in connection with our business. So, so how about this? So, um, there's a place we go in Newington, they have, and a lot of places have them, but it's a, it's a jukebox and it's a, it's a jukebox sort of, I don't know where the music is stored. I don't know if it's stored uh, on the actual machine or if it's stored in a cloud and it's streamed because you can get on your phone and you download the app and you connect with the bar that you're in or restaurant, mm. right? Have you seen this? I, I haven't. Yeah, so. I, I think because I have three small kids, so I'm not okay, so. out that much. <laughs> so, it's, so, <laughs> right it's, so it's a little dangerous because you can load, just like any app, you can load up you know, your, the app with you know, your credit card and, or whatever and you put on $20, $30. And now every time you want to play music, you just go and it dips into your thing, right? So, so I'm wondering who would have who would have to pay the rights to play that music? Would it be the jukebox company? Because they're in. Because so you log on to the mm-hmm. app. Okay. And then you're are you you're at a bar? So you don't have to be. You're okay. driving around in your car, <clears throat> let's just say, and you low and you say, hey, I want to use this jukebox app because it's really cool. Let's see what place around here has one so you open the app oh. and it and it finds your location and it says well joe's place and whatever you know lime bar and grill has one i don't think they have a jukebox um so you go you're like oh let's go to that place that's cool so in other words it's not just the restaurant's jukebox it's sort of huh. almost regional or national interesting they probably if the restaurant has that capability they've probably paid some kind of royalty in order to have the privilege of offering that service to consumers okay so maybe in in part of the subscription they pay to the jukebox company and they they take care of all that stuff exactly you got to get out and try one of these jukebox things because it's really cool okay yeah maybe that'll be our (laughs) once this um covid19 slows down maybe we'll try that yeah no i like it (laughs) or it's all it's all touch screen too you can go and find all the different music i know because jukeboxes now really aren't the same as they were they're all oh, electronic now all electronic yeah. and what's cool if you pay extra like somebody's there before you and they got a whole bunch of songs lined up but you really want to hear your song you can pay extra and then your song jumps to the top of the list <laughs> whereas with old jukeboxes i would never <laughs> have <laughs> so i've never done How? that because i'm a cheapskate i want to do that but i don't even think yeah. my kids would know what a jukebox yeah. is. yeah yeah how old are your kids I have two and a half year old twins. I guess they're almost wow. two and three quarters at this point. They're boy girl and a six and a half year old boy. Wow, you're busy. Yeah. And you're working from home too. 
Yes, we have, we have a nanny. Okay, good. Yeah, and yeah. my husband's also working from home. Yeah. It's not that distracting during the okay. day. Okay. And now that the weather is nice, they can go outside. Right, right. Um, but, you know, if you need a snack in the kitchen and they're in, they're in there, it's, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah, I, um, so I had my office at my house for, ignore the trains that go by. Um, so it, for the first, I don't know, three years? two years, three years. And I had, I had to get out. So, so then I sort of kind of went back home to, do, to try to do a lot of my work. And it was, I just, that's why I left. Cause there's too many distractions. I can't get mm. anything done. It's, I can't get anything done during the day. Like at yeah. nighttime I can, cause it's quiet and stuff, but during the day, no, there's no really? way. No, there's no way. I, can get I, I have an office upstairs and I can close the door. Okay. And you know, in my last job, I was working at home two or three days a week. So I got used to that, and then now with my new job, I mean, everybody's working from home now, but my office is in Massachusetts, and I go go up. Right. Once when the office is open, I go up once a month, and so I am primarily working yeah. from home now, so I've, I've had to get used to it. And it is nice. There's no commute. You can go out and that run errands nice. in the middle of the day. You can do laundry. Um, and so as long as you have someone to watch your kids yeah. who sort of understands that, you know, maybe they need to distract the kids if you have to run down to the kitchen and grab a snack or run out the door, then it, it's fine. It's been, it's been working out fine. So you're able to like, cause I, I would, I would start early in the morning before anybody else was awake. I do yeah. a little kind of busy work type stuff, get that out of the way. Then I'd have break with breakfast, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I go back to work and I take a really long lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> walk the dog, whatever. And then, uh, I'd knock off early and then I would, I would finish up at night. So my, my work days were actually really, really long hmm. just yeah. with lots of breaks. Right. So this works out better because I get here and then I just, I just keep going until I'm done. And right. then, so my work day is, it's probably the same amount of hours, mm -hmm. but they're all just put together instead of all broken apart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do, I know. do you find that working? No. Cause I've just gotten to the point where, I mean, my office is my office. Yeah. And when I'm up there, I'm working. And I mean, yes, there's distractions in terms of like if someone's knocking on the door. Sure. Or there's someone really upset downstairs and you feel like you need to go downstairs and kind of help the nanny. Yeah. But aside from that, I don't really feel like it's that distracting to me. I'm sort okay. of used to it at this point. Like, I think it's more of an advantage potentially for working parents to be at home because I save an hour. Like, I was commuting into Hartford before this. So I save yeah. an hour of my day or more on commuting. And That's so awesome. I can spend that not time now potentially networking. Yeah. And yeah, add that into my day. Yeah, yeah. And I have, I can just throw the laundry in or run to the supermarket rather than having to worry about doing that when I get home. Yeah. So I, f I find it to be, and you get to, you know, even if you're not with your kids during the day, you can still hear them. So you kind of feel like you're still That's part true. of it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and with this COVID-19 issue, I think a lot of companies now are going to be seeing that it can be done yeah. and, and workers can still be productive. And I, it's definitely going to be the trend for the future. In your office in Massachusetts is, does everybody have like an office space? Is there cubicles? Is it just one giant open space? I don't know how many people. Yeah, there's, are there are, so, um, how many people are there now? It's, uh, 
think like four or five people on one floor and like usually two to three on the second floor. So we have, it's like actually like the building you're in, kind of like an okay. old warehouse. And everyone has, everyone has their own office. And then there's one room with sort of shared space so that when I'm up there, that's where I work, but gotcha. it's a very big room. Gotcha. Yeah. So totally capable of socially distancing. But everyone has their own office, like even all, all of our paralegals, all of our admins. Yeah. Um, so it should be okay when we go back. Because um, I heard that, that um, dividers or cubicles might be coming back. Yeah. I don't know how anybody gets any work done in just one giant room with no, I mean, I, I couldn't function that way. Wait, <laughs> in, my, in my last job, there was, there was already divide. I mean, it was, there was every, the um, senior paralegals and the attorneys were in offices, but um, the admins and junior paralegals were out, out in this big room where yeah. everyone had it. But every, everyone has a cubicle, but it's still, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much that's really going to stop. Yeah, I guess. I don't. Like everybody yeah. has their, it's, it's weird because, so you go to, it's big in New York City. So I go to New York and do work down there every once in a while. So you go into these big office buildings and everybody's sitting at these huge tables working away right. and they all have their earbuds in or their whatever headphones yeah. and they're working away. So it's, it's meant to be sort of a little bit more collaborative. Yeah. Yet everybody's it's, sort of zoned out, which I guess. It's the same thing I think at my yeah. husband's office. Yeah. I mean, no one had an office. So he was out, he was, he's an in-house attorney and he was out with everybody. And if they had a private call, they had rooms where you could go in and have right. a private yeah. phone call. There's little phone booths or little um, But I, so I, I'm not sure what his company is going to plan to do yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's been good here. So, um, so I'm the only one obviously in this room and the building, there was only, so there was me, there was, um, fellow two doors down. Uh, he was essential. And then there was, uh, the brewery and which is the front of the building. Mm -hmm. and that's it. Nobody else. So for a couple of months, you know, I wouldn't come here. I had regular hours, but not as long as, you know, like in January, February or something. Um, but yeah, I'd come in. There'd be nobody in the building. I'd be somebody be here all by myself. Yeah, that's sometimes. nice. Yeah, it was it was kind of nice. I, I mean, even time. though you know, if everyone has their own office space, there's still the shared bathroom space, mm. the kitchen space. True. Yeah. And we and her actually that my office building is very similar to this building. So there's it's in a warehouse that's been converted to a lot of offices. So there's all different kinds of businesses. Yeah. In the same building. So, you know, you're still coming in and out the same door yep. and going up and down the same stairs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No. It's going to be yeah. a whole new world. But Just, um, um, at this yeah, point, we're not planning to reopen our office, um, at least for the next four weeks. So were you in the first, uh, were you, were you, were you in the first wave though, that eligible? Um, we just just, just made the decision to close. So the really same the same week that everyone else basically closed, like that week of May seventeenth. Yeah. Um, do you do a lot of Zoom calls and stuff with clients and things like that? You've been doing a lot of that. Yes. Yeah. I probably have at least three Zoom calls a day. Wow. And then we had we used Zoom as a law firm before this, mainly to communicate amongst the employees. Yeah. Um, but I think we've internally have been using it more than before because now everybody's home. Sure. And uh, and now everyone everyone else is home. So I think it's actually 
easier to have a Zoom call because everyone's sitting in their home office rather than that shared space, for example, where it would be very difficult to have a Zoom call. So that's been kind of nice. But then, you know, I feel like people are starting to get Zoom burnout. Do you um, take into account um, what your Zoom background looks like? Like, do you, like, set up your office so it's, right? Wait, you saw my post on LinkedIn about that. Didn't you? Did you like that? Were you the, you were looking out a a window? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forget what your background looks like, but that's that's (laughs) awesome view. Yeah. My background, the walls of my office are brown. I mean, Okay. okay, so we haven't painted that room since we moved in. And it, it was used as my two to three to day a week office before now it's my full-time office so right. the walls are brown and there's no overhead light okay so there's lights i my desk is completely lit up i mean there's a, a window and lamps but when you're looking at my zoom background it's dark yeah it's not dark for me yeah just yeah <laughs> so yeah i posted something on linkedin the other day because the view in front of me is beautiful it's beautiful um yeah, it's really nice but when you're just looking at me on so no i probably should take it more into account yeah now you could like but... um you could just maybe get a i wouldn't put a i would maybe figure out a way to just throw some light on the background like just I, well i'll put a lamp back there maybe i don't know if i'd put a <laughs> lamp because then the lamp would be in the shot but you'd have to put light on the wall people are people yeah. talking about like the ring lights yeah there's there's a lot of those um which are kind of, you know, good if you do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, at least you have the light in front of you. There's a lot of people, a lot still, with windows behind them. Yeah, I know. Like, right behind them. Right, right. And I don't like the virtual backgrounds because like it just looks really funny. Yeah, I like those either. Do you watch um, Watch What Happens Live on Bravo? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? No idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have it's, Bravo. Okay, it's Andy, this guy Andy Cohen hosts a show called Watch What Happens Live, um, and it features, he does it every night, and it features the, you know, celebrities or, you know, created celebrities who are on reality TV shows on Bravo, and he has, he's filming from his apartment in New York, because no one can film right now. Sure. And he has a, it's probably a virtual background, but for some because it's a professional, pro, pro, professionally produced show, it doesn't look like he's not fading into the background. You know right. how people fade into their yeah, background on virtual. So that's so it work. It's working for him, for example. Yeah. But I think most people don't have the tools to make no. that look no. right. I saw one yesterday. It was just just his head. Like there's no body. It was a head floating. Yeah, it's it kind of a cool effect. I'm sure that's not what he was going for, but I feel like though. Um, <laughs> You know, our mutual friend, Eric Bergen. Yeah. His, yep. his, I always am impressed by his virtual Yeah, his background. looks good. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the key is to have, um, it doesn't have to be green like that wall, but it's, it's to have uh, um, a solid color, like really not a lot of texture or shadows and, or and anything. And not a dark, solid color. Probably not really too dark. Probably, yeah. Probably not dark, no. So another funny story about a Zoom background is, so my husband is in our guest room as he's working remotely, and that, we've always, we have wanted to paint it in the past, but then, you know, just started having kids, and Mm -hmm. it became a low priority. So it's, 
this electric blue color. Okay. And that's his Zoom background. Okay, nice. <laughs> and he's gotten made fun of so much to the point where he's like, I'm going to take a day off and paint. I have to paint this room. Yeah, <laughs> so he's either going to paint it, and he's also been calling around to try to find a professional painter because he's been finding he hasn't had time to do it. Yeah. So it's getting to the point where... <laughs> well, he just has to paint. He just, All he has to do is paint the spot right behind him. I mean, him. he's just going to... Right? The whole the room <laughs> needs to be painted because we also adjusted the height of a... The, height of a window in the room so okay. that's it's it needs to be done yeah kids take up a lot of time and so does work yeah. and he, he used yeah. to do a lot of the painting in our house before yeah. we had kids um but yeah it's yeah i mean when you're working all week and you want to spend time with the kids on yeah. the weekend and with yeah. three kids if he's painting a room all day then it's a lot of work for me for yeah. example to yeah, you know absolutely. be with the three kids from 6 a.m. till 7.30 at night. It's a lot. Yeah. Especially with twins at two and a half. Oh my God. They're, they're not that bad. Okay, yet. I mean, you know, it's busy. <laughs> you know the terrible twos don't tart until they're three, right? right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> they're really good kids. Um, but yeah, I was talking to someone yesterday with a three and a half year old, and she's just like, yeah. she does not listen at all. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, that's what's coming. Because they yeah. listen now. Yeah. Like, oh, get off that thing. Okay. Yeah. But... Our yeah. six and a half year olds. <laughs> yeah, the whole different. <laughs> and that's story. another story. Oh my god! So our oldest is a girl. She's twenty five, and the four years she was in high school, her and uh, her mom were just constant every day. Like every day, it was a battle about whatever. I don't mm -hmm. care. Pick a topic. Right. right. And then high school ended. She graduated high school, and then it was like it just like the switch. Know. It just stopped. I'm like, and I was always in. The, you know, I was in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, high school ended and then the switch like turned off. Like everything's good now. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I probably was like that too, though. Yeah. I feel like I always sort of gave my mom a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I wish I had done that less. Well, uh, my daughter has a, uh, six year old daughter. So I have a six year old granddaughter. So they're really good. They have a great relationship, but we'll see what happens when. I'm kind of bummed out. She was having a really good time in kindergarten. I mean, really doing well, making really good friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know. Same. It was the same for us. Yeah, My son's rough. in kindergarten. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard yeah. for the kindergarten uh, people that are just starting school, whether it be mm -hmm. kindergarten or, or maybe first year in high school, that kind of thing, sort of a milestone thing, mm -hmm. or the folks that are graduating. You I know? know. That's really hard. Like the people who are in the weird, odd grades, like third, you know. <laughs> Right. It's still hard, but it's not like this milestone where things are really radically different. Yes. And Though I, I, I'm getting the sense that the seniors are okay with this maybe. because they can stay up later. They don't have to get up at 6 a.m. to get on the bus. So I think yeah. there's some, I'm just getting that sense from my neighborhood when I'm, I can still hear yeah. the teenagers out at 11 o'clock at night when I'm, or 10 o'clock at night when I'm getting ready for bed. <laughs> I can hear them out yeah. inside in the open window and I'm like, they're probably kind of glad they don't have to get up at yeah. 6 a.m. But yeah. yes, like there, no graduation, no prom, you know, it was their last yeah. year in sports. That's, that's got to be hard. The last year in sports has got to be tough, especially if you're, you know, because a lot of these kids, they want to play in college, right? And so now they can't play. Well, they probably well, can. They can. They can. Well, but they're not, I, I guess. Everyone's going to be in the same boat, everybody's like gonna freshman year. Yeah, everybody's going to be in the same boat, if I guess. If they, yeah. it's just, if it's, they go back. Imagine. Yeah, I just couldn't imagine. I don't know. I don't know. 
some yeah you're probably right some kids probably don't care and others are a little bummed out but they're whatever my niece and nephew are one of them's going to be a freshman and one of them's going to be a junior in the fall and they still don't know yeah. you know one of them's at upenn and one of them's going to gw they just still don't know if they're going to have online classes or not yeah or, or be or be on the campus a friend of mine teaches at um community college and um i spoke to his wife um about a month ago a few weeks ago and she said yes kevin has to prepare for online classes they don't know they should just prepare for classes to be online in the fall yeah they might do like a combination yeah um my niece is but she's gonna go live on campus this summer so because she she's working in a lab there okay and she just wants to be she wants to be there i mean she's a junior she (laughs) it's hard to you know stay at home when you're a junior in college yeah yeah oh absolutely yeah I know, I know Eric Feeney said, because he's a t- uh, second grade here in West Hartford, and uh, the school board or whatever has already talked about, um, when we do go back, uh, yeah. snow days will yes. be, uh, I don't know what he called it, but you'd, be, you'd go to school at home virtually, which I think is, I think that's, uh, that I think is a great idea. That is a great idea, because yeah. if, I know I listened to that podcast, and I know we talked about starting a few weeks earlier, yeah. And doing that remote learning on on snow days yeah. or doing, you know, half a day. You have some students half a day, you have the other. Um, but to be able to save those snow days and have yeah. that extra sort of extra time. Yep. Yeah. And still get out at a re- on a and reasonable time. still get out. <laughs> yeah. And not day. have a, another week and a half or something tacked on to the end right. of the year. I you think don't that's know, great. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. No, you don't know. It's really it's just so strange. Yeah, really is strange. And people are posting these pictures of their kids on the first day of school and then the, like the last day of remote learning. I mean, we had no idea when the school year started that this no it was going to end up like this. It's just so strange. Yeah. But I guess everyone's, I was thinking about it, every once in a while, right, you got to have sort of a bump in the road or a... Yeah giant pothole or something right to kind of keep you alert yes <laughs> this, is a, this is a tough one but yes. it does it i think it it i, I don't want to say it woke a lot of people up but i think it really sort of you know put people into you know second gear right. and, and it's like all right I, you know and, and and i think it invigorated a lot of people too to sort of find the joy in what they do of the, the challenge of because you're not restarting your business but you're having a hard time and uh, so you have to adapt and right. i think and i think I know, I know part of the fun of having a business is adapting and the challenge and figuring out how you're going to pivot pivot and do whatever you want to do. Like you have a great idea. How am I going to get that to market? You know? Exactly. So I think, I think a lot of folks after the initial shock have, have embraced it. Exactly. I agree with you. And I, I know there's a lot of negative impacts to this, but there will be some positive ones in terms of people maybe traveling less yeah if people if maybe that's what they wanted because they can do something over zoom rather than getting on a plane yeah or being able to work from home more um just people making sure that their remote systems are more up to date yep so that consumers have or um, employees have that option to work from home yeah so i just i think there's going to be a lot of Sort of positive benefits. Hugely People positive just stuff. sort of thinking outside the box. Yeah. I think we've lost, we're so driven 
in Connecticut and well in the country of, of just, you know, working and, you know, making money and working and being productive and, and moving forward all the time. I think maybe some of us forgot that the reason we work so hard is to enjoy life. Right. right? And forgot, we forgot about the enjoyment part. But there has been some yeah. <laughs> negative aspects, I think, in terms of working from home because, um, you know, uh, managers feel like they can contact their employees at all times mm. of the day because yeah. they know that they can just go, go up to their computer and work. So I've heard that as being one sort of negative. Okay. <laughs> so they're not adhering to nine to five or whatever the regular yeah. hours were. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's been fine for, but yeah. I, you know, this is just what I've been hearing from other sure. people. I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, I, I've tried to make it a point lately to not be unavailable because I'm always available. But, um, for instance, on Sundays, I really, I mean, I'll, I'll sometimes come to the office if I have something to kind of, but I don't really like returning emails. I don't, I don't want to do that unless it's really important. Right. You know, um, I'll let that can wait for the work day. Right. Like I really need that just not working stuff. You, you, that's, I think that's really important to have a full day off, not a day off. You're at home and like, Oh, let me check my email real quick. Like right. that's. Oh, so you're not, are you not looking at your phone at all? Like, are you not looking at your email? I try to make it a point not to really look at, I mean, maybe a couple times a day, but I'll see yeah. something and, and I, don't, yeah. I won't necessarily respond. Right. I'll just say, oh, all right, that's something I got to check on tomorrow and I'll put it aside. I usually, I will keep an eye on my email, but I usually won't respond until yeah. Monday. And yeah. part of that is because I'm with three small kids all day yeah. and when they, when the youngest ones are napping, I want to be napping too. I I'm not going to be working. Like I, I just don't have the time or the Smart. energy on the weekend. So I think having small kids yeah. is good for in that respect. Yeah. You're so, supposed to nap when they nap. Yeah. yeah exactly. Not, you're not supposed to do dishes and stuff. But, yeah, I'm nap, so, yeah. so exhausted by then. It's like, it's not even a choice really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. So yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. No, our youngest is uh, 19. So it's been a while, but yes. Yeah. I mean, so you have time on the weekends to relax. We We're, do, yeah. We, we don't really ever, the only time we relax is, you know, after yeah. 7.45 at night. So we walk around our house because there's only one child now living at home. Not a child, one, our <laughs> oldest son, not a child anymore, uh, living at home. So um, there's, a, and he's going to be moving out probably within the month. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's like, it's, what are we doing? You know, it's, it's it, you know. We find it's been you know we spent a lot of time together the past couple of months because um, I've been home more and, right. uh, and it's been really nice That's you know nice. I've gotten a lot of stuff done and I'm a little jealous I gotta yeah. say yeah sorry I'm not gloating I'm just <laughs> I you yeah. know I there was a lo that time before we had kids where we could do whatever we wanted sleep as late as you want yeah. go to the gym yeah. like I'd take a run and then I would go to the gym yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. yeah, so we started backwards. So we had uh, children right away, like right off the bat. So we didn't have a lot of that time. So now we're making up for it on the back end. Yeah, we yeah. were, yeah. you know, 19, 18 years away. I don't know. I guess yeah. less than that now, 16 years away from that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, Which everyone says will go, it goes fast, right? It goes crazy fast. It's like amazing. Like you don't feel it. Like when you're in it, but yeah. then at the end, you're like, where the heck did time go? <laughs> and then I think, oh my gosh, like how old am I going to be yeah. when, yeah. <laughs> when they're going to be in college? I know. 
I don't yeah. know. It's nuts. I try not to think about it. I know. Just enjoy it. I, 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 we do, and I do enjoy the kids, and I tell them to stop growing because they're already getting to the point yeah. where they're too big to hold. Yeah. For a long amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got you. I, when I was working at Channel 3, there was this guy. Um, my kids were still young, and he says, he says, he says, uh, he says, spend time with the children. He says, don't just go. Make sure you go to their events, their concerts, their whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, well, well, but I'm working. I'm, I'm working overtime. I'm trying to make money, so I I didn't miss everything, but I missed a lot of stuff. Yeah. And looking back, did I really need like the overtime? I probably could have survived, you know, kind of thing. But at the at the at the moment, you're you know you're providing, right? You're trying to right. Um, so it's a balance for sure. And your job, you couldn't have done from home. No, I couldn't do my job from <laughs> yeah. home. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, that's another advantage to working from home, that if there's something in the middle of the day, like a teacher conference, or you could be a room parent, you can take an hour out of the day to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my hours, sometimes I worked second shift, sometimes I worked first shift, sometimes then I had a few years I worked smack dab in the middle of the day, so that was the worst hours I had because it was in the middle of the day. Right. Like, I liked going in really early and getting out sort of early to mid-afternoon or mm-hmm. having the entire morning and then working second shift. Then it gave me, it was better to be home in the afternoon because that's when more stuff happens, obviously, you mm-hmm. know, concerts and things like that. Yeah. But, um, you know. That's a good benefit. Now yeah. I can work I whenever start, I want. I should start working at like 6 a.m. Yeah. And so I can be done. What time you get up in the morning? I'm, it's usually around 6. They, yeah. The kids start waking up. So we'll get out yeah. of bed maybe around like 6.15, 6.30. And then I'll start yeah. working at 7.30. Yeah. But, yeah, that would be nice. At least in the summer. Yeah. Maybe I'll shift my hours. I was we'll thinking. Of, I was thinking about just working four days a week in the summer. But it's hard when I would – that would never happen. Like I'd, Like maybe I'll take Fridays off, but I would get up in the morning and I would work and I'd do stuff on Fridays and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to separate myself. I already know right now. Like I need to, when we go away, like I need to go away on vacation. If I take time off, I can't, I can't take yeah. a staycation. <laughs> like I worked, I worked. Yes. You know, it's hard to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I get away. out on Fridays at whenever the twins wake up, I'll, I stop working on Fridays. Yeah. So I have that. Yeah. That's so good. that's about three o'clock. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah that's nice. Yeah. We're, I'm not going off early today. We're going to the beach. Right. I told you that. Yeah. We're out. <laughs> Which like beach it. are you going to go to? Uh, probably Hammonasset. I'm thinking um, that's a pretty big beach. So I'm hoping that um, we'll get there and it won't be full. I don't know what their capacity is. And I don't know what are they doing half capacity or limited capacity now. I don't know what they're doing. So hopefully we'll get there because we have a whole plan of yeah of food and drinks and things it's like gonna that. be busy there probably because probably. kids aren't in school and it's memorial day weekend it's memorial day weekend. shouldn't they be learning at home though but not on the friday before memorial day weekend and companies are still probably going to let their employees yeah. off because it's a really nice early. day out too i know yeah. I, my, my husband should probably be done early today yeah so that'll maybe he'll be done by three o'clock when everybody's awake yeah good don't go to the beach because we're going to take your spot no, I I think that if we were to do that, it would, we'd probably go on an off day. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, yeah, Fridays, the, the Friday before memorial is probably not an off day. No. Probably not an off day, but yeah. yeah. We're going to we're gonna chance it. We're going to go for it anyway and see what happens. And, you know, we don't have a plan B really, so. We'll I feel really happens. bad because for my kids because we don't usually do beach days. I yeah. don't know why that's the case, but yeah. I, I always want to. And then it just, the weekend just, I don't know. We just, 
the kids have to take their naps. They're on a routine. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of do that stuff right now. And the beach is so far away. So we were on yeah. the shoreline for a long time. Okay. So it's sort of like we just, right. you know, but, um, yeah, yeah, I could see that with kids because that's an hour drive. Right. Yeah, it, it would foul up the day. For and sure. they don't sleep. Our youngest don't sleep in the car. Like okay. our older son used to do that. They won't, they, which is great. They yeah. just, they've been trained to sleep in their cribs. Good. Um, but yeah, so they won't, they wouldn't, they basically wouldn't get a nap that day. Yeah. Which maybe they'd sleep on the ride back. If they're tired enough, they'd maybe. probably, I don't you know, know, after all the you'd think. salt and water and sun, they'd probably you'd think. Out. You'd think, we'll you'd say. hope. Yeah. Um, but we do take at least a week vacation at a lake house in New Hampshire that I've been going to since I was a kid. Our very good friends, my very good friends, um, own, own it. And we rent from them for a week. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We jump around, we'll do beach houses and then we'll do in, um, in uh, Rhode Island and then we'll go up to Maine and every once in a while do a lake house in Maine and we didn't do anything last year. A lake house or a beach house in Maine? A lake house in Maine. Nice. Yeah. Because the ocean's freezing up there. Freezing cold. Even in August. But you'd be surprised how busy the beaches are in yeah. Maine. Oh, yeah. Because they're beautiful, but right. they're freezing. Water's freezing cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we really, we really like Maine a lot. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to go up there. Yes. And we're missing it. So we were going to go up. Um, my father-in-law lives up there. So we want to take a week or at least, a, you know, a handful of days and go up there and spent some time but went to the visit main website or whatever it is oh you can't and, go there and it's quarantine if you go in yeah. they, you got to be quarantined 14 days yes i'm like well that's i can't do that i know and i feel so bad because my husband's best friend lives up there yeah and he can't go visit him now and yeah. he hasn't visited him since he had a new ha- has um moved there and got a new house oh wow yeah it's, rough. it's just longer that it's just it's it's rough it's it'll it'll pass but um maine yeah. has been maine yeah. is the, one of the tougher yeah. states yeah definitely <laughs> yeah because i've been there's this place in portland we go and um jay's oyster bar see i don't eat oysters in connecticut anymore because i've had too many bad experiences mm. not like sick or anything just not good oysters yeah but maine oh man i tell you those so good right Yes. So I'm like, I'm dying here. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I guess it like, could be worse. It's yeah. like when you're pregnant and you can't have a sushi and right. you have to wait till. So that's, yeah. now you know how we feel. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. All right. <laughs> I read that somewhere else too, something like that. Like what women have experienced in the past that our men are, it's been funny memes and stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I can't. There's one I'm thinking of. I can't specifically think what it is, so I'm not going to try to guess. But Were you upset know. that uh, barbershops couldn't open this week? No. No. I don't, no, I don't. I, well, you know, no. I didn't have any plans of running out and getting my hair cut. Okay. My like, husband didn't either. Yeah. I, but I he, although he's like... I mean, I mean, I'm bummed out that they couldn't open. I like, I feel bad for the owners. Yes. Like I'm bummed out about that. Yes. Like me personally, I don't care. I can wait. That doesn't matter. Like yeah. my wife did a quick trim and it's fine. But, um, yeah, I feel bad because I read this one thing. Uh, this woman spent a, you know, a day or two cleaning and saying it, whatever she was doing. And then she was told she can't open. So that's, you know, and they drag. rebooked everybody. Yeah. And they rebooked everybody. And now, yeah. I mean, I didn't actually get rebooked yet, but I know that there were some places, and I'm not desperate to go in. 
Yeah. So I just want to get something on the books. Sure. For some, you know, at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt really bad because my hairstylist had messaged everyone and said, yeah. we're going to open on May 20th. And then she had to message everyone again and say, say yeah, got to wait. What is it like three weeks now? I think that's going June 1st or June 2nd, I think I saw. Okay. And then I saw that gyms can open on June 20th. Okay. But do you have to wear masks? I don't know. Barbershop. I think so. I was reading. Yes. But like. Can you imagine wearing a mask while you're working out? I don't think I'd be able to do that. I don't know how you would breathe properly. I don't, yeah, I don't even know. know if that's possible. I don't know if that's possible either. Especially thinking about going through like a spin class with a mask on. Yeah. I you think can. people would be passing out. Yeah, because you'd be, yeah, you're not getting proper oxygen. Right. But if they space everybody out enough, wouldn't that Maybe. be? Yeah, the... <laughs> the um, I, I'm a member of Cycle Bar in Canton. Okay. And sometimes when, you know, you we'd be doing like the um, elbow things on the bike, yeah. you'd hit the elbow of the person next to you. Okay, so yeah. they're going to have to Yeah, they got to really, space you guys yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Which I is going to be interesting because some of those classes were sold out. Yeah. You'd have 50 people in there and they're going to have to reduce maybe the class to like 25. That's going to be a lot yeah, of that's people another, that are... That's another obstacle is, is you can open, but to half capacity or whatever. I mean, you yeah. know, at that point, are you making money? Are you breaking even? Are you losing money? I guess um, it's... That well, that's true. You know? Because I was thinking at least it's better to be, you know, serving people, but then you could potentially be losing money. Yeah. So... Uh. You know, I would I think it'd be better than not because at least people are maintaining their memberships. Yeah, I, I think as long as if you have sort of, okay, so I do this for two weeks, three weeks, and then I can bring in more people. Maybe. Maybe if you have that kind of plan where you can budget or whatever, I don't know. I just see the social distancing thing going on until we get a vaccine, Yeah. honestly. Yeah, so do I. I wonder how long the mask thing is, though. That That's, yeah, that's um, that's hard to wear, to go to the grocery. I mean, I don't know. It's really not a big deal, but. Um, I'd rather not wear a mask. I know. I think to most the, people to go, feel to go to the grocery way. store. So I just wonder how long that's gonna, you know, that's gonna last. I don't see that going away for a while. Yeah, long I th- time. I think right? at this point, people are just used to it. I mean, yeah. it's, so at the beginning, in March, I'd be at the supermarket and there'd be like one or two people in a mask, and yeah. it'd be kind of awkward. Yeah, you remember that feeling yeah. back in from March? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then people st- every more people started doing it and then it was required yeah so then it was okay now it and now it's just second nature yeah you always have it's it with you it's just funny that shift that happened within two yeah. months it's nuts yeah different world but i don't i don't i don't want to say it's the new norm because i don't want to say that because well but who knows it's right now new it's temporary norm right, anyway. there we go yeah right now it's kind of normal but hopefully it, we'll be able to change things up but you know, think you know, things could always be worse, right? I mean, things could always be I, worse. When I so. came into this building this morning, I, you know, I knew I was just going to be seeing you, mm-hmm. and I was fine with that. But then right. I walked into the building, and I was like, oh, should I have a mask on? Yeah. And I felt funny not having not the mask on. Not having one on, yeah. Well, it's funny. So I said earlier, um, not a lot of people were here, right, for the past couple of months. So Wednesday, when we opened up, I came in kind of early and uh, doing my thing, and then I had to leave to go to the car part. And I come back, and it was like, there's all these people in the building. What the heck is going Why are all these people here? And they all have masks on and things like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what are all these people doing here? I'm like, oh, it's the 20th. <laughs> like, it didn't even, <laughs> didn't even, I was like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I hurried back to my office. And, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Right. I forgot. It got busy all of a sudden. I was like, oh. I mean, it wasn't like packed, but 
you know, there was a lot of people in the building. Like all the shop owners were back and, you know, cleaning up and getting ready. Yeah. Getting ready for, you know, to start doing some business. So. I kept going to my chiropractor's office too in Avon throughout. Okay. They stayed open. Yeah. They were taking everyone's temperature when you came in and. Yeah. They started wearing masks and. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. that, we'll that worked happens. out just fine. Yeah. Yeah. We adapt, right? Like we said earlier, right? You just yeah. figure out a way. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to let you go. Okay. This was good. We could really talk enjoyed, all day. We could talk all day long. <laughs> so um, really cool what you know about brands and branding and, and registering and trademarks. And um, I definitely learned some stuff today. So Good. Um, I'm glad. Why don't you, um, for everybody out there, if somebody's interested in some more information or reaching out to you, how would they get a hold of you? They can go to our website at uh, www.sandsip.com. Love that. It's S-and-S-I-P.com. Yeah. Cool. And, or they can send me an email. Um, my name again is Jamie Sternberg. So it's jsternberg at sandsip, um, sandsip.com. Sandsip.com, yeah. And then I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Yep, cool. Yeah, and if you go to your website, I think you and just, it, you're right there. You're listed. So yeah, they can and it's, you. again, the law firm is called Saunders and Silverstein. Saunders and Silverstein. Yeah, yeah. very, very cool. Sandsip, I love that. You should, <laughs> you should, you should register that. Sansip. <laughs> <laughs> Our logo is registered. I know that. Yeah. It's a really so, cool yeah. logo. Yeah. Of course it's registered, right? <laughs> right. I would hope so, yeah. <laughs> we got to set an example for yeah, everyone else. That's right. Yeah, set an example. <laughs> it's funny though because I don't, um, so I have a lot of video content. I have, the closest thing I have to a, a video of, you know, direct line media is like a demo reel of all the work I've done for other people. Mm-hmm. I actually don't have a video of. Hey, everybody, Dave Schmaleski, Direct Line, this is what we do. I don't have one of those, which is, I don't know. I guess that's okay. I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so um, thanks, Jamie, for coming out and spending some time with me. Yeah. This, was, uh, this was great. And yeah. everybody, um, yeah, this is every week. So check us out. We're on uh, YouTube, of course, and then uh, Spotify and all over the place. So thanks a lot for coming. Great. Thank you so much for having me. This yeah. was really fun. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll see you, everybody. Okay. Bye.